Let us pray. Almighty God, I come to you now as your servant, asking that the words that I speak this morning would not be mine, but they would be yours. Asking, O oh God, that those who hear and receive these words would receive them not only in their minds and in their hearts, but deep in their souls, O oh God, that place where only you and they go. Help us to understand that mythology within Christianity has its place. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit that I would do your will and not my own. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. So today's reading, the first Sunday after Christmas, comes from the second chapter of Matthew, beginning with the 13th verse. After the scholars were gone, God's angel showed up again in Joseph's dream and commanded, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. Stay until further notice. Herod is on the hunt for this child and wants to kill him. Joseph obeyed. He got up, took the child and his mother, mother under cover of darkness, and they were out of town and well on their way by daylight. They lived in Egypt until Herod's death. The Egyptian exile fulfilled what Hosea had preached. I call my son out of Egypt. And Herod, when he realized that the scholars had tricked him, flew into a rage. He commanded the murder of every little boy two years old and under who lived in Bethlehem and the surrounding hills. He determined that age from the information he had gotten from the scholars. And that was Jeremiah's sermon, which was fulfilled. Okay. I titled this Mythology and Christianity because, you know, in some of the more traditional evangelical churches, they're doing this reading this morning, and they're doing this reading like it really happened. You know, the, the, the wise men showed up, found Jesus in the manger, okay? And, and then this angel appears to Joseph and tells Joseph to get the hell out of town. And then Herod goes on this killing spree. And the reason that I say that it's a myth is because because you have to understand that Matthew, when he wrote this, needed to make it understandable to his audiences that Jesus was the Messiah. And so he dug back into history and into some of the prophets. And because this birth of Jesus kind of fit, he made those prophecies fit. It's what we call today proof texting. It's when you make a statement, and then you go back and you find something to make it true. Amen? Now, what is the problem with that? Well, the problem with that is that it means God is some kind of murderer. If you take it being preached that way, here this kid gets born, and yes, he's the son of God, but then you have every innocent kid under the age of two being wiped out. I don't know about you, but that's not a very comfortable God for me. 
That's not the that's not the God that Jesus taught about taught us about. It's not the God that we heard about initially in the Old Testament that God wanted a relationship with us. So why would we take this story and not try to peel it back and figure out what's really going on with the sharing of this story? Now, first of all, if how many here believe that God, when you were created, gave you a free will? How many? Okay. Almost a whole place. In other words, God created you with a brain so that you could think, right? We know that the story in the Garden of Eden is about what? Free will, right? Making choices. Yes, no. There are consequences for choices that we make. Amen? We know if there's a fire over there and that fire is burning and, and Dwight is standing over there too close and Alice says to him, Dwight, don't put your hand in there. And Dwight says, no, nah, it's all right. And puts his hand in. That had nothing to do with God. It had everything to do with Dwight. And the consequences for that is what? He's going to end up with scars, right? Because it's going to be painful. And when it heals, there's going to be scars there. So the first thing we have to do when we look at these Gospels and some of these stories is we have to look at them as a matter of choice. Did Herod kill off a bunch of kids? Probably. Was it because he was looking specifically for Jesus? Probably not. Did you hear the way, the way it got told? He was pissed because the three people that were supposed to come back and give him information didn't do it. Have we seen that in today's world? Where all kinds of bad things happen and people choose to act out in a really bad way. Now, there's something else that I want to point out to you. Um, have you noticed that in the more evangelical uh, churches, they're, they're talking about like down on the border, that the refugees and all that kind of stuff is, is a bad thing? That somehow we need to keep them out of the country? Uh, do you know what this story points out kind of by accident, although it's not the main part of the story? Jesus and his family for several years were what? Refugees. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Hello, but we're going to be good Christians and we can't take any refugees. <laughs> this is why it's important to understand how these stories are put together, folks. Because in Jesus and his family being in Egypt for that period of time, there's a piece that's even more important than the Herod getting ticked off and causing all kinds of grief and pain for the people that were his subjects. It is the first, it's the first reach out that we have that this message from God is for everybody. Amen. It's for everybody. You know, we've been talking about the fact that, that whosoever has been relaunched and, and one of the problems that, that it had five years ago when it set down was because its founder, Reverend Candace Shalhoub, she had reached a point with her Christianity that her Christianity was becoming all-embracing. And so some of this, these stories that were being taught as every crossed I and dotted, no, every cross T and every dotted I were not making sense to her anymore. And all of a sudden she was feeling like, how do I claim myself as a Christian? 
And that became a struggle when she was having to fight with all these conservative folks that were saying, well, the Bible says homosexuals can't be in God's world and that you're all going to hell and that it's not natural and all of that wonderful stuff. Which, by the way, if it's not natural, let's think about Jesus for a minute and what's natural and not natural. Didn't he walk on water? Oh, yeah, and then he came back to life. That's not natural either. Hello. I mean, I can live with that. But the point is that she was having this struggle. And so she got kind of burned out on it, trying to fight on this side and then balance her faith. Because Christianity is a hard thing if you try to take it literally and don't understand what the stories are about. And so she stopped. She said, that's it. I can't do this anymore. And then we started talking, and when you hear the word whosoever, it makes you think of Christianity, doesn't it? Because that's, it's kind of a Christian word, is it not? Whosoever believeth in me, you know, all those kinds of things. But when you stop and define whosoever, what does it mean? It means everybody. And so with this relaunch of whosoever, that's how we got past all the problems of hardcore Christianity that put out these rules that somehow want to tell you that there's somebody out there that's in control and it's not you. That somehow your faith is not yours to own. Because whosoever belongs to all these different things. Bishop Spong said, God is not a Muslim, God is not a Christian, God is not a Buddhist, on and on and on. Those are all ways that we look to try to understand God. Christianity is just one of them. And when you stop and think about it, in all these other different faiths, they have a lot of common ground. What's the common ground in every one of them? That your God, your creator, loves you unconditionally, and we're supposed to share that love. I think it's amazing that in the church, we have for so long been so arrogant with this faith that it's only about Christians and it's only about the Israelites. And yet, here in the very beginning, he isn't but two years old and they're in another country which tells us that, look, it isn't all bad, folks. We all belong to one another. We ought to be able to cross the borders together. We ought to be able to cross genders. We ought to be able to cross orientations. In other words, it is all about understanding that God created you just exactly the way you are, and it's good. This story, if you... If you sit there and worry about, you know, there was somebody today, I saw it today, they were going to preach on the slaughter of the innocents. And here's my response. If you want to talk about the slaughter of the innocents, then how about if you and your church take a look at what's going on in Africa? How about if you take a look and what's going on over in Syria? How about if you come right back to Atlanta and go downtown and under any one of those bridges and see how many kids tonight 
are being slaughtered, both emotionally and physically. Don't throw this in my face and tell me that God is a murderer. God has given us a free will. God has loved us unconditionally so that we can love each other in that same way. And I would hope that as we go into 2020, it's pretty simple. Amen. Do something to be of service Amen. to those people that God has sent into your life. Amen. Amen.